0: Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, Life, Faith, Together. Okay, so the Bible reading is from 1 John, chapter 1, and verses 1 to 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Well, Christmas is such a busy time with all the the carol service and the nativity plays and buying presents and Christmas trees and then decorating the Christmas tree and then rushing around to get a turkey and preparing the dinner and so on and so on. It can be such a busy time that we often don't have any time to stop and reflect what it's all about. And we kind of just let the nostalgia hit. You know, there's there's many things to feel good about. Uh, We have got good memories. We've got some good time off work. Many, many things to feel good about. And we can kind of just let the nostalgia hit without actually pausing to, to reflect on what it's all about. And so this morning, we're going to spend a bit of time just reflecting on the true meaning of Christmas. And John John writes in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1, he says, That which was from the beginning. This is a clear echo all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But who or what is the that, (laughs) the that which was from the beginning? Well, we continue reading, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. We proclaim concerning the word of life. And then in verse 2, we read, Life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, Has appeared to us. So the the, that which was at the beginning, from the beginning, is the word of life. It is the life. It is the eternal life. In other words, it's the the very source of life. The, The very source of life that brings about life to the whole cosmos. And this eternal life is the infinite life of God Himself. It says that this this life, this eternal life, was with the Father. From the beginning, it was with the Father. For all eternity, this life has been in an intimate relationship with the Father, with God the Father. They are intimately connected. They have this deep, profound fellowship for all eternity. It's so deep that it's kind of like they share the same deep inner reality, the same common life, and in a sense, they are one. It is the infinite life of God himself. Yet John says, we have seen it, and we have touched it. How can he see and touch the, the very source of life, eternal life that was, existed from the beginning, that has been in this intimate fellowship with, with God the Father for all eternity? Well, it says in verse 2, the life appeared. and At the end of verse 2, it says the eternal life which was with the Father has appeared to us. It has appeared to us. It it has manifested Himself to us. Made Himself known. This is referring to the birth of Jesus. And in the birth of Jesus, the unknowable becomes knowable. The invisible becomes visible. the, The infinite becomes finite. The extraordinary becomes ordinary and God's own eternal life becomes a baby, becomes something that we can hear and touch and see. The life source, the the source that brings life to the whole cosmos is not some impersonal force, no, it's a person, it's Jesus. You see, it's impossible for us to know God unless He appeared to us. Take the sun, for example. I mean, if you look at the sun, okay, actually don't look at the sun. <laughs> okay, see, if you try to look at the sun to see what the sun looks like, at best, it'll just be a blur. The the glory of the sun is too great for for our eyes. It it will overwhelm us, and, and you won't actually be able to see what it looks like. At best, it will be a blur. At worst, it will burn your retina out. If you really want to see the glory of the sun, you need a filter. If you really want to see the glory of the sun, you you need something between you and the sun so you can actually see the the flames bursting on the surface, the the sunspots and the eruptions. In order to, to see the glory of the sun, you can't just look at the sun. You need a filter. Otherwise, you really can't see the glory of the sun. And in a far greater way, you can't see the glory of God. Unless you have a filter, and that filter is the human, the person Jesus. Take the uh, the great Carol, "Hark the Herald Angel Sings." The line, "Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see; hail the incarnate deity, veiled in flesh." That's the filter. This life source, this eternal life, God himself, becomes a human. veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. It doesn't say, veiled in flesh, the Godhead hidden. No, it says, the Godhead see. Because God became a human, we, we are able to see the, the, the glory of God, which would have otherwise overwhelmed us, like literally overwhelmed us. Remember Moses? Moses says he wants to see the glory of God, but God says, no, it, it will kill you. It will burn the your retina of your soul out. It will burn your retina of your soul out. It will destroy you. Yet, John writes, In 1 John chapter 14, this is the gospel of John. The word, that's the word of life. That's this eternal life. The word became flesh. That means human. And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Jesus is the filter. And in Jesus and through Jesus, we can see the glory of God. The unknowable becomes knowable. The invisible becomes visible. The infinite becomes finite. The extraordinary becomes ordinary. And God's own eternal life becomes a baby. That we can hear and touch and see. And this is not just some feel good story, you know, a moving story, an inspiring story to make you, you, you feel good and give you this warm, fuzzy feeling at, at, at Christmas time. No, this is a historical reality. This actually happened. This is based on an eyewitness account. John writes, he says, we heard it with our own eyes, saw it with our own ears, and and, and verified it with our own hands. This is legal courtroom language. This is based on a, a reliable historical eyewitness account that verifies that the infinite life of God himself appeared as a human. But why? Why did God come to earth? Why did God go to all this extreme trouble to, to make himself into something that we can hear and see and touch? I'll tell you why. God went to infinite lengths to draw near to you, to come close to you, so that you could know him personally. So he could have fellowship, with you. In verse 3, John says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, the, the The Greek word translated fellowship is virtually untranslatable. It's a very deep, rich word that describes a loving relationship of great intimacy and and depth. a, A life together in which everything is shared. And for all eternity, God the Son and God the Father have been having fellowship. There's been this intimate connection and fellowship between the Son and the Father. So intimate that they, they actually share the same inner deep reality, the common life together. They are essentially one. But then the amazing thing is, and this is quite breathtaking, this fellowship is being extended This this fellowship that, that God the Father and the Son have been enjoying for all eternity is being extended to all who would put their faith in Jesus. Even those who haven't literally seen Jesus walking on earth are being invited to enter into this fellowship with God the Father and the Son. The reason why God went to infinite lengths to draw near to you Is because he wants to have fellowship with you. Because he loves you. In verse 4, John writes, we write this to make our joy complete. And in the, the, the message translation, it puts it like this. Our motive for writing is simply this. We want you to enjoy this too. Your joy will double our joy. There's a deep and profound joy when you enter into a fellowship with God the Father and God the Son. Joy. Not not, not happiness, which is dependent on good things happening. No, a a deep joy, a profound sense of joy that even when life is tough, even when life is hard, we have the sense of joy that comes from being in fellowship with God and knowing that God loves you. In our, our secular world that we live in, there, there's a school of thought that believes that this is it. Uh, you are nothing but physical matter, uh, just merely the, the, the result of, of a natural selection. There's no spirit, there's no soul, you are just physical matter. Uh, and they will even go as far as saying that all your emotions and your feelings and, and your sense of love is nothing more than a chemical response in your brain. You, you, you might think you, you have these feelings of love, but it's, it's just this chemical response in your brain. And there's this chemical response in, the, in your brain that makes you, you say things like, love, love matters. Love makes a difference. People matter. Humans have, have, have dignity. But that's just chemical responses uh, that, that's going off in your brain. Now, of course, nobody actually lives like that. And no, nobody lives as though love doesn't matter. Even the most hardened atheist doesn't live uh, as though all these emotions and feelings are nothing more uh, than, than mere uh, chemical reactions within your brain. And so the the, the Christmas story, the Christmas message proves what your heart intuitively knows is true. The Christmas story, the Christmas message proves that that love is not merely a a chemical reaction going off in your brain, but but love pre-existed the world. Love created the world, and now love is redeeming the world. You see, God is a communal, glorious love in himself. Remember, John says that the the son was with the father from the beginning. For all eternity, they've been enjoying this, this fellowship. God is a communal, glorious love in himself. God is one, but yet within this one God, there's always been three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they've been loving each other and adoring each other for all eternity. So love pre-existed the world. And God, who is love, creates the world. So love created the world. And now love is redeeming the world. In 1961, the first Russian cosmonaut orbited the Earth. And at the time, everyone was obviously extremely excited. And the, 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 the Russian Prime Minister at the time, the Russian Prime Minister at the time, basically said something like this. In Russia, we are officially atheists. And now we have more evidence for atheism because... We sent a man into space, into heaven, and found no God there. In response to this, C.S. Lewis, a very famous Christian author at the time, wrote an essay called The The Seeing Eye. And within this essay, he basically says, if there was a God, you would not relate to God the way a person who lives on the first floor relates to a person who lives on the second floor. Do you see, the, the, um, the way this Russian Prime Minister was, was, was talking about God, it was as if uh, God lived on the second floor. Uh, and we down here on earth, uh, and they've sent someone up to the second floor, and they found nobody at home. So clearly nobody's there. But C.S. Lewis says we, we don't relate to God the way a person who lives on the second floor relates to somebody who lives on the third floor. No, he says the way, the way we would relate to God, we would relate to Him the way Hamlet relates to Shakespeare. You see, Shakespeare created Hamlet. And the only way Hamlet can know anything about Shakespeare is if Shakespeare writes something about himself into the play. See, Hamlet can't learn anything about God or about Shakespeare by going up into the rafters of the stage, by going upstairs. He can't find anything about Shakespeare up there. The only way Hamlet can find anything out about Shakespeare is if Shakespeare writes something about himself into the play. The only way we, we can, can find anything out about our Creator is if our Creator writes something about Himself into the play. But C.S. Lewis says, ah, but God does something far greater than that. He doesn't just write some information about Himself into the play, God writes Himself into the play. Uh, Dorothy says, was a. Uh, well, she lived there many years ago, uh, and she was one of the first women to graduate from Oxford and she was a writer of mystery detective stories and, and her most famous character was Lord Peter Wimsey, uh, and he was this, this aristocrat who solved mysteries and Kind of in the middle of the series, there've been a long series of, of these stories, and kind of in the middle of the series, all about Lord Peter Wimsley, who was single up until this point, suddenly, a, a woman appears into the story uh, by the name of Harriet Van, and uh, she just so happens to be one of the first women who ever graduated from Oxford. And she also happens to be a, a writer of detective fictions. And so she comes into the story, and she meets up with Peter and helps him solve a couple of mysteries, and then they fall in love, and they live happily ever after. Many people have said that Dorothy looked into the world she created, looked at the man she created, fell in love with him, and so she wrote herself into the story. She loved him, realized he was lonely and needed a savior, and so she wrote herself into the story, fell in love and lived happily ever after. And it's a very moving story. But this, God actually did this. This is what God actually does. Love, who created the world, who created us, has looked into the world that he created. And looked at us and loved us. And so he rode himself into the play and was born in a manger. Why? Because he loves you. He wants to have fellowship with you. And he wants you to experience life, eternal life. You see, love isn't just some chemical reaction in your brain. We all know that. When we talk about love, we talk about forever. We say, I will love you forever, which is kind of silly. Why don't we say, well, I love you until I die, or you die? Because somehow we know that love lasts. We just don't feel that it's temporary. We have this feeling that it lasts. Intuitively, we kind of know it lasts. Because love doesn't originate from this world. Love pre-existed this world. Love created the world. And now love is redeeming the world by becoming a baby in the manger. And this is the true meaning of Christmas. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we just stand in awe and wonder of your infinite love, of the infinite lengths you have gone to draw near to us, to come close to us, simply because you love us and you want to have fellowship with us and you want us to experience life, eternal life. And so, Father, we just stand in awe and we stand in wonder as we gaze upon that manger with you, the the, the life source, the one who who created the whole world that existed before even the time began. That you became a baby, a human, a filter, so we can see your glory, so we can have fellowship with you won't you help us to open our hearts to receive that gift, the gift of yourself, this Christmas. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at